know, back in the day before Marvel, really Batman was like the superhero movie you could watch. So, right. I was always around it a lot as a kid and I gravitated to the Joker because he was just so cool. Like he was cool. He was crazy, but he was the cool kind of crazy. Yeah, he's he's crazy in that way that it's just kind of like, I don't give a shit. Right. Okay. And I love the style and the the panache and the the just the overall look, especially like Mark Hamill's Joker is my favorite. Like oh, of course. If I've got to pick one, it's it's Hamill. I think kind of anyone from our generation, it's going to be Hamill or at least maybe Nicholson's in there, you know, but when you think the Joker, it's it's Mark Hamill. Yeah, absolutely. Like more honestly, when I think him in general, it's more Joker than even Luke Skywalker at this point. Yeah, you know, he made a sort of a cultural comeback with the new Star Wars movies. But for me, like just just like you say, Mark Hamill will be the Joker and the Joker will be Mark Hamill. And that's just right. they're, they're so closely associated in my mind. Yeah, I wish the uh, what, the petition to get him to play him in live action actually went somewhere. That would have been so cool. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, I was happy we got him for uh, the Arkham games that we did. Oh, yeah, especially because he'd said he was kind of done with the character and then just like, by the way, or he said he was an Arkham Asylum was his last time. And then it says, all right, I'll do city. Right. All right, I'll do night. Yeah, if I do two, I might as well do three. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know how you feel about uh, getting into spoilers for stuff, but oh, man, that reveal for Arkham Knight was the highlight of that game for me. Oh, it was it was so good. Like I saw it coming, but that's just cuz I'm a comic book nerd. Like if I didn't already have that like frame of reference, that would have completely blindsided me. The way they handled it was so good. Yeah, it was a perfect way to get him back in the final game. Yeah. But uh hey, real quick cuz I kind of let this go a little longer than anticipated. Uh welcome to episode 2 of Character Progression. This time we're talking to my buddy Andy about the Joker. That's right. Um, so just kind of real quick, we already kind of got into a little bit about how, you know, you first found out about him. But just for anyone who has been really confused for just the first few minutes of this, just <laughs> I guess, who who is the Joker? The Joker, in actuality, is a comic book character created by Bob Kane way back when uh, he first created Batman. And he is Batman's nemesis. He is Batman's iconic villain. He is a DC comic book universe bad guy and probably one of the most popular comic book characters of all time. I don't think that's unfair to say. No, no, that's it's he definitely fits that role. Yeah. And and. It's funny you say who is the Joker and part of the reason I like him so much is there is no actual answer in the in the fiction of DC Comics. You don't know the Joker's backstory. He's got multiple ones. Yeah. And like all of the movies and TV, the, the Tim Burton first Batman movie made up an origin story and then, you know, Mask of the Phantasm came out and completely threw that away. And then 
both were kind of took some cues from the killing joke, which I was going to say, which like none of it actually matters or counts because that's not what matters for the character. Right. And I think that's something that it, it just appeals so much to me by not having a nailed down backstory and by not having even so much as a real name, the Joker is dehumanized in a way that I actually think is really good and effective. And it helps the character of the Joker become more of an icon and an archetype and something bigger than, than just a regular man. I wish I thought of this before right now, but it also fits this antithesis where the whole point of Batman, the whole reason that people like him is because he's just a regular guy. He's just some person kind of driven to the brink. Meanwhile, the Joker is not just past the brink, but without that backstory for him, he also isn't just a man. He could be any one. Yeah, I think there's such there's such an allure and there's such an appeal and like like Deadpool is hugely popular now and has been for the better part of the decade I I would say but before there was Deadpool the Joker kind of served as this evil version of the same sort of thing this this maniacal homicidal killer who had all these quips and jokes and was extremely quotable. You know, that's one of the other reasons I love him. I was a massive theater nerd in high school. And, you know, we talked about Mark Hamill's Joker and even like Mark Hamill, Heath Ledger, Jack Nicholson, I would, I would learn their monologues and I would, I would build up this great Joker impression. I think I dressed up as Joker three or four times in high school whenever I could get away with it. Cause it was just such a, such an amazing character. So you got the whole like dance with the devil in the pale moonlight thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, uh, you know, the, the, how do I, you want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> oh, God, I, uh, I hated, I was so against Heath Ledger's Joker the very first time I heard it was going to be a thing. And I, I stamped my feet and I said he, he couldn't do it. And it's not going to be the Joker I know and love. And I mean, of course he, he had one of the greatest superhero movie performances of all time. Oh yeah. It really says something when every, like as of now, we just have the Suicide Squad version, but I know the the Joaquin Phoenix one is coming out right later this year, I think, or early next year. But no matter what version of it anyone talks about for live action, they get compared to the Heath Ledger, and that says so much about his performance. Oh, absolutely! And and before the Dark Knight came out, everyone was comparing it to Nicholson. You've got all these. There's so many versions. There's more versions of this character than there are of most characters. And so you get all these different facets that other people can enjoy and and pick their own personal favorite. Right. And so you've already talked about how you, you kind of learned all those monologues and all that. But just kind of in your everyday life, how did your love from the Joker kind of shape things and inspire you? (laughs) <laughs> I was I was pretty obsessed for a while, uh, especially in high school. I I 
there's a saying of, you know, you can either get busy laughing or get busy crying or, or something like that, or crying, you cry alone, laughing, the world laughs with you. This, this idea of no matter what is going on in your life, it can be treated with humor and it can be treated as a joke. The Joker is kind of the farthest extreme of that where no matter what he's doing for the most part, even if it's these insane, horrible, awful acts, it's a joke and it's funny and there's a gag and there's a a line you can, you can laugh along to with it. And that really kind of helped me work through the day to day terror that is high school. Right. (laughs) And you know, you, you, you often feel so there's so much going on. There's so much anxiety. There's so much stress because you're a high schooler and you don't know any better. And I mean, honestly, being able to call on all of these moments and just be inspired by the man who laughs helped me laugh through stuff. Okay. When thinking about that, anything specific that the Joker did that you can recall pop into mind? Um, I want to talk about, like we said, my favorite Joker is the Mark Hamill Joker and my absolute favorite iteration is the Joker from Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, right. It's it's a phenomenal TV movie in its own right. And just real quick before you get going, anyone who hasn't seen this, pause the podcast right now, go watch (laughs) it and then come back. Uh, Not necessarily saying we're getting into spoiler territory. We might, but just you, you owe it to yourself to see how amazing this film is. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. To answer your question, like like I, I wanted to bring up Return of the Joker because that's the thing that I draw the most from specifically. And that was like like I learned the monologue where he talks about Brave New World. It has such patses in it. And this 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 it, it, it's such a great version of the character. He's he's the perfect villain in multiple ways in Return of the Joker, both as the man who finally defeats Bruce. And this is a spoiler, so if you care, go away <laughs> hmm. or pause. But, you know, he finally defeats Bruce by breaking Tim and by getting Tim to by all intents and purposes, murder him in the end. And then there's the grand reveal and there's the wheels within wheels. There's the ultra master planner to show how the Joker, even though he's dead, winds up in the future by um, using the, the microchip that he had planted onto Tim Drake. He's never more charming. He's never more terrifying to me. And he, I talk about, oh, he always oh, terrifying and, and, and badass and scary, but oh, he really helped me get through some stuff. But I mean, he, <laughs> he, he, I mean, he did, you know, I to go back to talking about anxiety in high school or, or nervousness or anything, I could put on the face paint and dye my hair green with spray dye. And, you know, to, to actually do that alone is so ostentatious and it takes such a bravery i guess to even put yourself out there in the real world that once you've done it 
you and and you you get looks on the bus and and you know at the party and whatever you just kind of lean into it and can't help but smile and laugh and it's it, it's a shield in a way and even um, <laughs> i did this maybe three or four times for halloween or megacon or whatever i wasn't uh putting face paint on on the regular but mm. i could do the same thing by just losing myself in these quotes or the monologues or just the mindset of the character. Yeah. And I guess it also kind of just works because it's, I don't know if you're a fan of Dragon Ball, but I always look at Joker the same way that I do someone like Frieza, where mm, okay. he's so charismatic that if what he was saying wasn't so vile, you'd be rooting for him. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, for me, for Return of the Joker, the thing that always stands out is, and this is more spoilery territory, uh, where he kills Bonk. Yeah. <laughs> and then acts like it didn't happen. Like he, he threatens him, gets him to let his guard down while he still has a gun to his face, then kills him. And then when he's talking to the rest of the, the Joker's gang... And he's just like, so we're going to do this, right? Didi, bonk, bonk. Oh, that's right. You're dead. <laughs> right. Or even just to, to break down that same moment in a different way, like what actually happens, bonk is yelling at him and threatening to quit the gang. He pulls the gun and, you know, every, bonk freaks out and goes, oh, 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 I was just kidding, man. And, you know, Joker laughs it off and goes, me too, and pulls the trigger and the 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 rod with the bang flag comes out and everyone everyone breathes a sigh of relief and Bonk turns to his buddies and, and kind of smiles like, oh, man, that could have gone so much worse. And then Joker pulls the trigger again and it's a harpoon gun and he goes, oh, no, I wasn't. Yeah. Like, that's Joker to me. Right. Like Bruce, Tim and Paul Dini, the, the people who were responsible for that Mark Hamill version of the Joker just had this this voice down for him that was almost honestly anything that's come afterwards with the character feels more like a love letter to him than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Or you have to um, you have to go so far away from that. That's where we get the the anarchist Heath Ledger or yeah. the. I'm trying to come up with a complimentary adjective for Jared Leto's Joker, and I'm struggling, but that's where you get Jared Leto's Joker. Uh, well, I mean, he's the he's kind of a modernized, very extreme take on the Jack Nicholson one to me, where he's that mobster mentality, just the way that it's currently viewed with the just the levels of excess taken to such a ridiculous extreme that it's barely recognizable as the Joker that we recognize from these past versions, but at the same time is completely recognizable at him as he's, you know, surrounding himself with knives and just laughing about it. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a great way to sum it up. I mean, he's nobody's favorite version of the Joker, <laughs> but at the same time, there's it's not all bad. Sure. No, I, I would agree. I think it all comes down to taste. You know, we are so far removed from the or or at least I feel like we're very removed from the um, the 60s TV show, right. Batman and Robin. And that clownish kid gloves 
version of the Joker, um, uh, Caesar Romero, I want to say. Yeah, with his yeah. Uh, with his painted mustache because he refused to shave it. Right. But yeah, the, the Joker kind of since the 80s, since stuff like The Killing Joke and Dark Knight Returns happened, we haven't seen this, you know, acid squirting flower, exploding whoopee cushion version of him at all. Yeah, really only only Hamill's animated one is the the one that is so theatrical in that way. You know, Ledger was theatrical too with the disappearing pencil trick and stuff, but it was it, it was so much more brutal and it yeah. wasn't as punny. Right. Well, same with uh with Nicholson, that scene where he's right. in the museum like messing up all the paintings while also spraying acid in the faces of people and then laughing at their disfigurement. Yeah, yeah, totally. Or like to him, it was the funniest thing in the world, but only to him, to everyone else, including his henchmen, when you see their faces, they're horrified. Right. Yeah, uh, it's just, there's so much to say about the Joker. He's just such a fun character to dissect. I absolutely agree. You know, we we keep we keep talking about it. There's just there's so much to him, you know, even beyond all of the different movie and TV iterations there. Batman and Batman comics lend themselves to so many more versions than anything else. You know, there's there's the killing joke. There's Arkham Asylum, a serious house on serious earth. There are several other like Arkham standalone comics. There's so many different versions of DC and each one has its own Joker to kind of make a name and, and have their own unique take with there's so much you can do with the character. And it goes back to the fact that he's not a nailed down man. Yeah. And so he can reinvent himself and he can slice his entire face off and then wear it as a mask because, oh, okay, that's that's different. <laughs> yeah. And and what was great with that scene when that happened in the comics was that he asked the guy who cut his face off, the guy threatened him, like, I'll I'll, you know, I'll disfigure you. I'll I'll mess you up. And the Joker's just like, oh, could you please? That would be great. Right. I mean, he's this he's this twisted Salvador Dali going, oh, oh, I never thought of that. That'd be that'd be really cool. Okay, yeah. Bring it on. (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever read uh, Neil Gaiman's Whatever Happened to the Cape Crusader? That's uh, the funeral, right? Yeah. Yes. It's been a while, but I, 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 I have read it. So like that's a comic that I honestly read like once a year. The Joker eulogy in it. I think so perfectly encapsulates the character. So for anyone who doesn't know, it's the funeral of Batman and all of his allies and enemies are going up telling a eulogy that explains how he died to them. Right. So for instance, when Catwoman says how he died, it's the death of Robin Hood. When Superman tells how he died, it's the death of Jesus. When the Joker is telling his story, it's just that he strangled Batman in an amusement park and the entire time just screaming, why won't you laugh? How come you never laugh? And Batman's response, just the last thing he does before he dies is just say, because it wasn't funny. And that just eats away at the Joker because when he's obsessed over Batman for so long, 
for this person that you've in a non-sexual way lusted after tells you that the entire purpose behind you doing everything you've ever done was meaningless. It just hurts him to such an extent. And even though it's only like a two-page scene, he just questions everything about himself in that. And then five pages later, he's making a joke about the penguin being fat. Like he got over it immediately. Right. I think DC toyed with giving the Joker a superpower or an explanation for why he was. And that was the super sentience. This idea that falling into the vat of unspecified chemicals and acid that he did, what it actually did to the Joker besides physically change him was broadened his mind in a way where at times he will understand he is nothing more than a comic book character and that he is ink on paper. And the more you examine it, the deeper that gets, the more like intense and interesting and horrifying that is to realize his existence is nothing more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll, who cares then? I'm just going to kill all these other comic book characters and laugh about it because literally nothing matters. I am not real. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not real. I'm not actually killing anyone real. These are drawings. If I kill a random person, them screaming, no, please help, is the only thing they've ever done. And they were created for that purpose. So who cares? I might as well. Right, exactly. You can really dig into that and the implications of that. It's another way he's kind of like an evil Deadpool because that's the other, you know, comic character who's routinely breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. But where Deadpool just decided to lean into the fact that he knows he's fictional, Joker essentially looked into the void, had an existential crisis, and decided that coming out of that crisis wasn't even worth it. So he just kind of laughed in the face of existential dread. Right. And yeah. Like, and... I mean, honestly, it's so fucked up. That's not something that any real person could kind of do. And that's part of what makes him so great. It is. And and I think you're right. But I also think like that's such a human reaction. Like, like try to break down if you were given irrefutable proof that existence as we know it was a farce and not only were we a piece of dust and a giant's thumbnail, we were, our lives were the three panels of a giant Sunday comic. And you knew in your heart and your soul that that was real and not some elaborate hoax. Yeah, I think you'd go crazy too. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it's such, it, it's kind of a twisted reflection of the one bad day, which, you know, is, is like the key to the character's origin. He had one bad day, and that one bad day ended with him learning the true, real-life nature of his existence and setting him off in that way. Um, since the one bad day ties in with the killing joke, we've mentioned that a bunch of times, but I guess for anyone who doesn't know, give it a, a brief summary. The Killing Joke was written by Alan Moore, who is one of the titans of comics writing. He's the guy who wrote Watchmen. He is one of the bona fide great comic writers. And The Killing Joke does not take place in any regular continuity. 
it takes place in the Batman universe, but I mean, arguably the only thing you can say is it's the story where Barbara Gordon is crippled and becomes Oracle. That's the only place you can nail it down in the timeline. It's often referred to as the last Batman story, and it is the Joker, the closest we ever should come to getting a Joker origin story. And it's not a long read, but it's a phenomenal read. I don't know if you want to get into a, a whole plot breakdown. I would just say I can't recommend it highly enough. It delves into exploring why the character is why he is and his relationship with Batman and the 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 mirror that they are on opposite sides of the one bad day. The Joker had one bad day and became a mass murdering lunatic. Batman had one bad day. The same core thing happened to him and he became a hero and he became resolved. And you know, we were we were quoting it a little bit earlier. You know, there's the climactic fight scene where the Joker is just beating Batman and explaining his ideology and saying, why won't you laugh? Why won't you admit it's funny? And Batman refutes him and says, because it's not and beats him. And, you know, it ends with the reason they call it the last uh, Batman story. It, it, it ends with this iconic scene. The Joker tells Batman a joke about two lunatics who escape the asylum. One of them jumps across onto a rooftop and is telling his friend to come along. The friend doesn't want to because he's scared. And the first inmate says, I know, I've got a flashlight. I'll shine it across the way and you can walk across the beam. And the second inmate goes, what do you think I am, crazy? I'd get halfway through and you'd turn the light off. And Batman and the Joker start laughing. Uncontrollable. Uncontrollable, holding their belly laughs. And then Batman puts his hands on the Joker's shoulder and to explain the paneling as a film analogy, you know, the, the, the camera as it were cuts down to a puddle and it's never made clear if Batman killed the Joker in that moment or not. But in that last panel, the laughter stopped. Right. It's so good. And it's it's amazing. It's, you know, I, I talked about my favorite Joker iteration is Mark Hamill, Return of the Joker. And that's my favorite. But, I mean, you can't say that the killing joke isn't the perfect Joker story. Oh, it, it's more a Joker story than it is a Batman. Totally. Yeah, and I, I love the fact that for his attempt to prove that it just takes one bad day he decides to prove it by giving the sanest person he can think of their bad day and it's not batman it's not even close to batman it's commissioner gordon right and i love that fact that in the joker's eyes batman's just as screwed up as he is yeah because how could you not be to dress like that and do what you do Exactly. Something that a few years later in the Arkham Asylum by Grant Morrison that you mentioned earlier, they spent the entire book kind of looking into that. Right. But all right, time to get a little meta with this. Okay. So you have the ability to speak to the Joker. And for the purposes of this, I'm going to say he is tied up because yeah. <laughs> let's be because let's be honest, if he's not, he's going to kill you. 
Yes, thank you for that. <laughs> um, so he's tied up, and you just get the opportunity to just say something to him. What do you say? Or if he's over here, let's say I'm being held hostage right now. He's on the other end of this microphone. What do you say? Oh, man. Um, hmm. I try to think of a joke. I, 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 <laughs> I would try to think of, of something to make him laugh. Cause if you can get him to laugh, he's probably letting us both go. <laughs> right. There's a whole uh, episode of Batman, the animated series about that. That's right. That's right. There is. Oh man. Uh, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to say an unfunny joke right now. I, I, I can appreciate that. If it's hard to think of a joke now, it would be even harder to think of a, a good joke in the moment. I'd probably uh, pretend that there he's got one of those big puffy clown noses and go beep, beep, Richie, and just uh, pray that he gets the reference. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, then. Uh, last thing, and this is something that I'm trying to end all of these on. Okay. Looking back on the conversation, like what the Joker both what you know about his character and kind of the ways he's inspired and influenced you. Using that information, what advice would you give to somebody? You know, someone who's going through a hard time right now, looking at just this ideology, what would you tell them to kind of get them to feel better about things? Hmm. Better to laugh than to cry. I like that. Concise. Yeah. I think that sums up his ideology very well. And that's, that's very much how he helped me, you know, even, even in the worst situation, if you try hard enough, maybe it's not the most psychologically healthy thing to do in the long run, but if you try hard enough, you can find the funny side of any situation. And I'd rather laugh than cry. Very fair. All right, that's just about all the time we've got for right now. You have a podcast. Let everyone know what it's called and how to find it. I do. Thank you, man. Um, so I am the co-host of a podcast called Love Hate Relationship. And if you enjoyed this, uh, my buddy Alex Ruiz and I talk a lot uh, about a lot of stuff. You know, we talk about things we love. We talk about things we hate. And we try to take your relationship questions. You can find us on Twitter at LHR pod. That's capital LHR pod. You can follow me, Andy Bowell, at Jovocop, J-O-V-O-C-O-P, and the number is 2113. Or um, you can go to lovehaterelationship.net. That's our website, and you can find all of our episodes and links and resources to ask your own questions there. Sounds awesome. Yeah, Dan, thank you so much, man. This has been a real treat and a real great experience, I think. Yeah, no problem, dude. It was great having you on. All right, bye, everybody. Bye.